Greetings and welcome to Prepare to Fast Forward, where we talk modern day pop culture, what we have been watching, the recent D23 event and the return of GoldenEye, the video game, are all on the agenda this time. My name is Jason and joining me as always is Rich. Hello. And Chris. Hello. Hello. How are you two doing? I don't know why I did that stupid little like, style voice thing. I thought it was Jordan Pearson impression, that's very good. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, how bizarre. Yeah, to a good weekend. We're calling this on on the on a Sunday evening. So, uh, yeah, cracking weekend, guys. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, not too bad. One. Just yeah, just uh, you know, yeah, doing Richard, my thing. <laughs> are you still enjoying your uh, Galaxy uh, Watch, Rich? That you keep making us jealous when with, with all the new faces oh, yeah. that you're downloading into it. It's pretty great. Yeah, I love, I love my uh, my Bond one. So the, the gold yeah, anyway. watch and. Oh, dude, so good, so good, it's, so good. Have you have you seen the Star Trek uh, Elkars skins as well? Um, I have. Yes, I have. It looks they, really they look very nice. They look glorious. Yeah. It's like some nerd, like... Yeah. Yeah. I saw those and it was almost like, they were so nice. I was like, I wish I was a Trek fan. They're just, they're just nice and like... clean and they put all oh, the... Yeah. But the GoldenEye one, I love... What was it you said it did when the battery runs low? Well, like on the, on the, on the armour, the little bar for the armor that's your phone battery and then the health is your watch battery so they actually deplete that's that's so cool <laughs> so good does, you don't get blood on a screen when your battery runs out oh no that's disappointing that was my yeah. image has it not like... got a da, 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 alarm it's not got that yeah it's, it's so good that would be awesome wouldn't it so good I, I love it i love it. it even tells you like your mission's incomplete on the on the watch so it's just <laughs> it's fantastic really love it I really love the Turtles one that you downloaded onto mm-hmm. it as well. That was pretty cool. Proper classic LCD watch, um, LCD watch from Argos job. Yes. Yeah. Classic kids watches style. Yeah. yeah. It was beautiful. Uh, seeing so. it all, almost made me feel like I didn't want my Apple watch and wanted this instead so I could have these faces, but uh, not, Apple quite, and then, not quite. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, Apple that's loves to be rigid. You, that's why you don't <laughs> so. buy Apple products. Not to sponsor. <laughs> I wish that'd be nice, wouldn't it? But... <laughs> oh Christ! They, they need us. They're gonna, we're gonna put that new iPhone over over the top in terms of sales. Get us yeah, on man. the podcast. We'll you've got, you've got to give uh, Apple the credit though for selling stuff because people want it. No, yeah, like I know people who have got the new iPhones and all they do is scroll Facebook and Instagram. It's like, do you do anything of what it's capable of doing? It's like they just want it to have it, not because. It's just mad. It's absolute yeah. madness. Do you like yeah. to say to him, you know you could have done that on your old phone? You didn't need to spend £800 on this one. But the, but the notch looks different on the face of the phone now. And, yeah. um, and, and uh, uh, reasons. <laughs> it, it, it's but just bullshit. Sorry. I could, I could go through all the new features of the Apple 14 Pro, but I won't. You know, because I'm sure that's you not very one. interesting for the... Uh, listener at all no i don't have one no i'm i'm stuck on my iphone 12 but my um my wife's lovely work is actually uh, buying her one uh, an iphone 14 nice. pro so wow i'm going to be uh she's i'm sure she is going to be rubbing that right in my face as soon as she gets it jesus so. but that's how mean she she's, is she's like, hooked me up with my iphone 14 and you've got your iphone 12 i've just got my little s10 plus with its stylus and i don't even use half the stuff on it well, sorry, you've got of the stylus. Yeah, the S10 Ultra. Well, wow. Even... Nice. Is that is that like knocking on what? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. How old is that? Is that really old? Uh, it's about six months old. 
Okay. Wow. <laughs> about that. Well, my other phone, I, I destroy technology, people. Just putting it on there now. <laughs> I'm a technology destroyer. Um, and yeah, my other Samsung, my S. So I the S9. I'm sure it is, it is an S10, right? Yeah, probably. I mean, things that they feel like old now because kind of like Microsoft with like Windows 8, Windows 10, like Samsung jumped from 10 to 20, didn't they? They never had 11, 12, 13. So it's not as old as it sounds when you say the 10. Well, like the S22 now, but 10 is only, well, three or four generations ago. So it's not actually ancient. No, it's the S22 Ultra that I have. Yeah, that's a big difference. <laughs> Why did I say S10? Why I don't did I know, say S10? Because it's a '90s podcast, mate. I don't know. <laughs> I had to. I was like S10. I was like, what the fuck? Six months like, ago, where did you get it from? Fucking. Oh, it's the S22 Bananos. Ultra. <laughs> S10. Fuck it. It's been a long weekend. Uh, bless you. If you two are ready, and if everyone else is sitting very comfortably, let's prepare to fast forward. And our first topic for this show is what we have been watching. And Chris, let's start with you, mate. You've been watching some uh, Star Trek, surprisingly, haven't you? Yes, I have been watching Lower Decks. I've recently done a recent marathon from beginning all the way through to the new season at the moment. So, And it's probably the best spiritual successor to Legacy Trek that we've had ever. It's crazy. <laughs> in my opinion. And it's animated. This is the crazy thing. And it's just done so well by people who care a great deal. And it's made by people that are our age, late 30s, early 40s, who were children when Next Gen and <laughs> um, DS9 and Voyager were on the air, or teenagers. And they are now developing and making Star Trek. And, it, and, and it, it shows in the in in it shows in the show, oh, <laughs> that, it, like that they they're from that kind of generation of, of of Trek because that's where it's it's all set in that kind of uh, time time frame, isn't it? Yeah, Just, it's set about five years after Nemesis, ballpark ballpark year kind of date. Yeah, and like all the references that they keep throwing in with with Voyager references and. Space oh, Nine references. It's and... so clever and so self-aware at the same time. And again, Mike McMahon worked on Rick and Morty uh, before, and everyone, when it was announced, was like, "What?" Yeah, we're I was one have... of those. Yeah, was we're going to have people. Rick and Morty Star Trek. We're going to have what is essentially, you know, not not R-rated, but kind of like you know, adult-oriented jokes and stuff like that. And then when the first few episodes aired, I was dumbfounded because I was like, "That's amazing." Because it's done in a comedy style, but it's done so faithfully, visually, scripted-wise, and character-wise, that it doesn't feel out of place within the universe mm. at all. And it's also drawn and designed and animated in a way where it doesn't look out of place either. It's weird. It's a weird balance that on paper shouldn't work, but it does. Yeah. It does, and it does it so well. And it's very quick, isn't it? Like with the with the gags, like oh, so quick. I even have to go and watch it again and watch people <laughs> on YouTube who have gone scene by scene and deconstruct it because there are things in the background that I you would never pick up on that the animators have just thrown in there. Yeah, 
like and like the best examples are you'd have one of the characters Boimler going on this massive tirade about stuff and then it would just throw in a reference to the original series or Enterprise or Next Gen or Voyager and it's like whoa it's like a, it's like a million miles an hour sometimes and you just go did I just and then you have to rewind it just to make sure it's just it's done so well like like to bring how to bring in the old characters back and not just main characters some of them are so obscure and appeared in like one scene or one episode 30 years ago <laughs> and they're like they're in a bar scene on a starbase and the guys on the cerritos are basically the synopsis of the show is the cerritos is the second contact ships they go in and they clean up the mess of the first contact ships <laughs> That's a very clever way of doing it, where they're the clean-up crew, basically. They're the follow-up crew. So the hero ships go in and do all their heroic things, and then these guys come in and make sure it all works fine. And It's just so quick-fire. And they brought Robert Duncan McNeil back as Tom Paris. Oh, for that one episode, yeah. Yeah, and everyone's like, how are they going to do that? And then they released the trailer, and it's the lead character, Boimler, is getting high as a kite on engine fumes. Well, he's trying like a, to get he's trying to get to the bridge, isn't he? Because he yeah. he's got a whole collection of um, uh, plates of yeah. like crockery plates with all like you know like you used to be able to buy you used to be able to buy Star Trek yes, plates. You and did. You, I this used is, to own yeah. one, and it had the bird of <laughs> yeah. prey on it and stuff like that. <laughs> this is, had, this oh, is nice. where the jokes get extremely yeah, yeah. meta and clever. And so my plate had the bird of prey on it. Had like little gold writing round the rims of this I plate. I never or whatever. had any. No, I never. Um, I was. I think I was way too young when they oh, were okay. a thing in the early mid nineties. I think yeah. they were. So I, I totally like uh, got where he was coming from yeah. with like wanting to get this plate of top with Tom Paris on it, and he wanted to get to the bridge so he could get yeah, it to, to get, get it, it to signed. be signed by yeah. Tom Paris. But by make, by having them a real thing within the universe. And make it a joke of the old collector. And I've still got magazines that I've saved from the 90s where those adverts are in the back of the magazines. Collector's plates had original series, movies, next gen, all these, you know. But yeah, in the end, it turns out that Robert Duncan McNeil is actually in the episode as the real Tom Paris. Mm. But it just gets so, so clever with the way it throws those things in. Like they go back to a planet that Kirk and Spock visited in the original series. And it's one of those famous episodes where Kirk talks a computer to death by by throwing logic at it. And on the thing it says, is it, what does it say? It says, "Do not, do not listen or or turn off when or whatever." It's just basically a warning. And then this culture starts listening to his computer again. And when they go back down there, it's got a, a note hanging on it that says, oh, "Do not listen to this computer" or something like that. It's just very clever. And the recent. Um, did you see the recent episode, Jason? Uh, I've seen a f- I haven't seen the latest one. I think I haven't seen the last two actually. Yeah, I won't. I won't talk about them because they're just. They're just. You have to watch them. They're just so cleverly done. I've really, I've really liked the latest series more than the others. To be honest, I think. I think it's they've... found its footing. I think it's worked yeah. out what it wants to be. Because I think. Like... Sorry, going rich. I was going to say, I'm intrigued by this show because, I mean, I always, you know, what I'm like with the Trek, I kind of mm. might sometimes dip my toe in, kind of give it a go. And I remember when this show got announced and I thought to myself, okay, this is kind of one of those really cynical 
kind of like oh star trek's an ip we're doing like cross media stuff and this is like you know the seth MacFarlane space show and it it's, it it to me it just felt like it was going to be one of those shows that's just going to be content and it's going to be adult jokes and it's going to be you know framed within star trek but hearing it actually be something very reverent in a good way and not you know oh it's, um, it's done totally out of a love for the source yeah um, which is nice a, to hear yeah rather than the same as prodigy as well it's done with such a love and respect for what came before so it's it's not so much a spoof as it is a very clever spin on its head look yeah. at, at the at Star Trek itself and also treating Star Trek as this they treat the hero ships and the, the bridge officers as heroes they do all this exciting stuff and it's run of the mill for them to be turned into gods or <laughs> for the ship to be ran, turned into random things and um yeah. It just runs with it, and yeah. it's not afraid to. What's, not what's afraid the to take the piss for? out of Star Trek, basically. But is no, it, but it it know. does it in a way where it's almost as if Star Trek the show exists as this hero worship culture for these people who are on these ships that are doing the they're doing the shit jobs. They're oh, yeah, I know what you mean. They haven't even got the full the way they've done it as well. They haven't even got the full uniforms. No. They've got like bog standard duty yeah. uniforms, whereas the bigger hero ships have the better com badges and the better uniforms. But not only do they do that, they have their characters say that as well. Mm. And well, it's I'd... one thing that Star Trek fans have asked for years because thinking behind the scenes wise, the, the hero actors, they would have all the brand new tailor fitted uniforms, but all the extras would be wearing the old uniforms from the seasons or two before, so it looked totally different. But to have the characters in this show actually call that out as an actual feature within Starfleet itself is a masterstroke <laughs> of addressing that. And when I say these, this show's written for the fans, by the fans, this is one of the best examples I've ever seen of that saying being true. Yeah. Oh, steady Sorry. on that. <laughs> um, but as I was saying a minute ago, I think like with, with Series 3, it's, it's really found its footing. Whereas the first two seasons... Felt like we were we were just getting to know the the four main characters and the and the bridge crew around them, um, and kind of just getting a little bit of history with them. But now, if I feel like with series three, it's really um, picked up a pace, and like the 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 four characters feel really close now, um, and and they're and they're they're trying some different things now, aren't they? With series three. Yes, they're they're still it's still the same format, but the nice little twist of it is they're no longer amazed by these stupid antics that happen. It's now run of the mill to them. Mm. You have to take everything with like a pinch of salt because a lot of fans are like, "Oh, that's that's canon now, or that's now set in stone. This happens." Like, well, not really, because if if you don't like it, you can just choose for it not to happen. You don't have to follow everything that's on screen. Mm-hmm. And what I like about them as well is each each season and its subsequent poster is based on the movies. Nice. 
right? So the the first season, their poster was modelled after the motion picture poster, where you had the the rainbow shoots, and Star Trek Beyond did the same with their poster. They emulated the original film poster, and then Lower Decks Two came out, and it was themed after the Wrath of Khan poster. So you had them all lined up, and then it followed the same kind of story beats, and it's the same thing. It's the search for Spock, so they're obviously searching for Captain Freeman and stuff like that. And <laughs> again, it's just if you're a Star Trek fan or just a casual fan, just just watch it because I've heard stories of people who have never watched Star Trek before and are introduced for it through the animation medium. So I'm tempted by that. Now, what I like is again, I've said it many times when people discover new things and they're like, wait. This franchise is 57 years old or 60 years old or 50 years old or whatever. Where did this start? They then go back. And that, to me, is their job being done correctly. The same with the new Quantum Leap that's out in two days' time or a day's time from this recording. Mm. Yes, Scott Bakula's not got anything to do with it. That's a shame, but also it's a bonus. Because he's done that. He's told that story. That story was completed. And for him to go back into that universe for just a cameo or something would feel jarring. It wouldn't feel right. But people I've seen on Twitter are actually going back to find the original show that inspired it. Now, you've got to remember, Quantum Leap went off the air 29 years ago or 28 years ago. People are going back to seek it out who didn't even know it was an original show. And that is the crown and glory with what these new products that they're pushing out are doing they're allowing people to go back to find out where it came from and they're making new fans and again animation makes it more accessible because it moves faster narratively yeah. it moves quicker it's doing it right when people are discovering what inspired it and especially when the people who were fans of the show growing up are now making star trek for everyone or in this case anything they're now making their fandom for themselves and fellow fans and that is a that is a dream job. I've got a question for you, Chris. Um, yes. What, out of all the characters from Lower Decks, which one is your favourite? Now, there's a question. <laughs> Lower Decks is a weird one because you don't really see the bridge officers, but the cast lit is insane. Jerry O'Connell is the first officer, and he's I've got proper Riker Kirk mould. But I don't, I don't know. I think. I think it's everyone's quick to jump to Beckett or Boimler, but I think it's got to be the engineer Rutherford, <laughs> who was building a model of the Cerritos last season. Yep. yep. <laughs> An accurate scale model, and the, the modelling community would just lost their minds. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think... But again, with the characterisations, they're, they're so, they're so de- well-defined that you have the... You have the hyperactive ADHD kind of one. You have the you have the, the brash impulsive one but with a very good survival head on. Then you have the, the manic one who's got hundred and one thousand things going on at the same time in her head. Then you've got the the normal one who just wants to carry on and exist and enjoy life and yeah, mm-hmm. I I would go for Rutherford. It's just cool. it's, it's a difficult choice. it's a difficult one. It is, because there's very there's a lot of likable characters in the show. Because but... They're also doing a crossover with uh, Strange New Worlds, and I don't know how that's going to work. No, I'm quite looking forward to that. Because they do that. 
there's talk of it being both animated and live action, mm-hmm. and you're just like, how are they going to pull that off? But would you like that though? I don't know if that's being a bit I, too much for Star I, for Star Trek. I think but, it's being very, too self-aware of itself. Yeah, you can but, have. I suppose you can have a crossover of them looking at it as a holodeck program. Sorry, that's bad memories of Enterprise coming back there. But uh, <laughs> I mean, um, personally, if they were to do a crossover, I would like to see the lower deck characters become real life. That's what apparently is rumored. Yeah. Because when it was announced, all the actors, all the voice actors came on stage in uniform and the actor who played Boimarine had a purple wig on. <laughs> Perfect. And it's one of those things that, like, on paper it could work. It would work better in animation because Lower Decks is technically a continuation. But it's done in a very irreverent animation, animated humor, humorous way. Because you've had Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis back as Riker and Troy and... <laughs> That's just great. So you could have Anson Mount and Ethan Peck and the other cast members from Strange New Worlds in the animated show because hmm. it would work. But to have them go the opposite way, it's a it's a very odd odd line of circumstances, isn't it, to hmm. work out what would be worse or best or worse for that idea to work. Yeah. They could do the whole Roger Rabbit thing, but that would just be weird. Yeah, yeah. I'm but not how would sure. you explain it? Would you explain it as a hallucinogenic prop, like something, or like it wouldn't be like Deadpool, for instance, where oh, it's... would it would it be like the um, Enterprise crew from Strange New Worlds time traveling to the future and then landing um, in their time zone? Yeah, that's what everyone's thinking, but they're. They're doing both live action and animation, so it's just like how how are they gonna explain it and in and weave it through? I I don't know, but that's one thing to be excited for next year. Mm. Yeah, how definitely. are they gonna pull that off, and are yeah. they gonna do it well? Yeah, that's look forward one. to that. And I guess the only other thing I was surprised about series three was there was actually still on Amazon Prime. I was not expecting to be able to um, yeah. to watch it on there. Everyone so, was thinking it was just going to go off and go to um, Paramount, Plus. Paramount Plus in the UK. Yeah. But Star Trek is still on Netflix UK, weirdly. Yes, it is, yeah. <laughs> Which I've been obviously marathoning recently as well, like mm-hmm. on and off. And that hasn't left Netflix, which is weird because Paramount Plus has launched in the UK. Sure. Yeah. I, I don't know if. There must I'm be sure some the original series through Enterprise yeah. is available on Paramount Plus already in the UK, isn't it? It's got. It's got to be. They must just have that long enough a contract with Netflix that they still have to see it out before they can. Maybe. Uh, it must. It might still have like a couple of years left or something. Who knows? Yeah. Um. It's just weird. Yeah, but at least they've still got it. And yeah, Amazon. I was expecting them to either start charging per episode or just drop it entirely, but they don't seem to have done. Same with no. Picard as well. That's still on Amazon next year and this year. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I was very so grateful for that. To be honest, so. Um, yeah, thank you very much for dumping it on Prime. So uh, yeah, but um, speaking of Prime, uh, I watched a film on Prime the other day. What did you watch? Um, I watched everything. No, hang on. What's it? Um, everything. Everything, everywhere, all at once. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've picked a film to talk about, and I can't even say its title. <laughs> That's how what it's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so yeah, I sat down. At, at five, I, I saw it. It was added to Prime. 
And I was like, yes. I was really, really like pumped because I've been wanting to see this film ever saw ever since I saw the first trailer. Yeah, likewise. I've heard good things. So yeah, when I went on to Amazon Prime one day and it was there. And I was like, Oh my god, that's that's amazing. I need to watch this. The trailer didn't really do I mean the trailer did it justice, I guess, but there was so much more to the film that I didn't expect to to get from it when I actually watched it. And it's just a I don't know, like from what you see from the trailer it just seems like a batshit crazy film. Like there's all this like weird stuff going on and you've got all these different universes that, you know, you, you, you kind of see throughout the film and like you, you can go from one universe where she's a, like a, a really famous actress to hmm. this world where everyone's got hot dogs as fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Those scenes of Jim Lee Curse are amazing. Like. I know. Right. And like, I mean, the, the the basic premise of the film is like she's a mum, she's got a husband, and she's got a kid, and they're not getting on very well with each other. Um, you know, the, the 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 daughter doesn't really like the mum because she's too overprotective and overpowering. Um, the and she's kind of drifted away from her husband because of the business and the problems with the daughter, and like she's got a lot of tax tax problems and everything else, you know, and and the husband is threatening to. Uh, to to want a divorce and everything else, so it's not going very well for her. And like you know, she she goes to the tax office and like it's all just going. You know, I I I'm not going to say any more about the plot because it is it's just brilliant. I don't know. There's a scene where they're all hitting each other with dildos and oh god, the the um the butt plug scene as well when he like we could almost like jump between timelines by like jumping onto a butt plug. The guy lands <laughs> on it. Yes, yeah, Just I remember that now. Yeah, weird, <laughs> <laughs> but intriguing in some weird, horrible way. I don't know, like yeah. yeah, but like through all these, like, and there's some really good like fighting scenes in here as well. I mean, we've got Michelle Michelle Yeo. Is that I can never yeah. pronounce her surname Yeo. Yeah, and we've also got Jamie Curtis as mentioned, and we've also got. Um, Rich, you could probably do his name better than Justice. Than I'm not even going to attempt it. Just call him no. Shot Round. It's fine. Okay. We'll just call him in then. Quite and... disrespectful, but Shot Round. <laughs> Is it Jonathan Kwan? There you go. Say that again, Chris. Jonathan Kwan. Nice. Or Juan. Yes. Made the cue silent, I think, yeah. Yeah. You know, and that, that picture with him with Harrison Ford oh, still... that was what I was going to bring up about the, so uh, lovely. the talk later yeah. on, is that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a beautiful moment, that... And it kind of turned into this film that was more about um, family and connections between each other and letting go of certain things because there's other things in life that's more important. Yeah. Than what and I and I never really was expecting that kind of emotion to come out of this film, and when it did, it hit me like a big sack of potatoes, and I was a bubbling mess at the end. Yeah. Like, there was like. You mean you didn't hold on to your potatoes for that no, scene? No, mate. No, nice. they all went, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just really powerful. Like the, the the end scenes, just so powerful. And like I was just like, oh my god, just what an amazing film! Like it's it's so batshit crazy. There's some amazing like fighting and action scenes. There's just some crazy out there things that happen. It's like time travel, different universes. Um, but they still managed to bring it all together not feel too overpowered by the storyline and st- and still bring that emotional connection into it at the end. I think that's what I really loved about this film because it's um it is um through and through a, a proper like 
indie film. It has those real indie indie movie vibes. Mm. In a way, the stakes are very grounded and quite. I see. In terms of a family, they're obviously quite high stakes. But in terms of a film, they're not like end of the world kind of stakes. They are still small. Yeah. But the whole film feels so high concept and big. And I said you're doing multiverses in a in a freaking um, independent film, mm. and that's what I love about it. It's a really nice marriage of that kind of like really small art of filmmaking, the emotional storytelling. But they're doing it in almost the form of a blockbuster, but not like it uses you know visual effects sparingly, but it does yeah. so really well. Yeah, um, that's what I love about it. And uh, I gotta say as well, um, I think the actress's name is uh, Stephanie Sue, who plays the daughter. She's mm-hmm. a freaking force of nature in this movie. Like, so that's she real, was like awesome, wasn't she? Cliche, like yeah. praise to give people, but like. The scenes towards the end where she's like, I forget what she's wearing now, but she's got that outfit and she's got like the freaking like teddy pears stitched into them and stuff. And she's she just makeup like, on, isn't she? And... and she's just on the screen. She just jumps out. Like, in terms of just her being the daughter and like the emotions she goes through, like the scenes with um, Michelle Yeoh towards the end are really heartbreaking. But mm. when she's almost kind of playing in a way like the antagonist, yeah, she's just is the, so commanding on the screen. And she's so cool. Like, and I really hope to see her in more stuff. Uh, she's fantastic in this film. Uh, and you've got James Hong in this film as well, who's like a <laughs> kung fu movie legend. Mm. That dude's amazing. So, it's yeah, it's a, it is a really, really awesome film. I loved it. And I, I was blubbing too towards the end. So oh, I'll good. Say that. Yeah, I really need to check <laughs> but, it out. Because I've heard good things about it. And like people I follow on YouTube keep talking about it. And I just, again, completely passed me by still... Yeah, and I didn't realise it was on Prime until just now. So, <laughs> uh, I tell you something else I quite liked at the beginning of of uh, this film as well was like I quite liked that jump between talking Cantonese yeah. and and English it, as well. It really goes taps into. I mean, it's one of those things that seems to be quite a growing thing now. Like in a lot of films, are really kind of uh, depicting um, sort of like the Chinese American experience. All these things were like the Chinese American families. I don't know if you've watched like um, that co- um, comedy series, um, Nora from Queens, the Aquafina series, and she's the actress from uh, Shang-Chi. Oh, okay. No, um, I haven't seen that. It's like a growing thing now. There's obviously that movie Crazy Rich Asian Asians as well. That too kind of depicts the whole thing. It it seems to be quite yeah, a growing trend now, and it's quite interesting. It's really nice um, in terms of depicting the lives of like minority groups i think the whole asian american thing is really quite fascinating I, I really like it it's really really cool and yeah the way they jump between the dialogue is it's yeah it's pretty pretty awesome it's obviously authentic but mm. yeah that's that's what you want to see i want to see a family interacting i don't want to see them speaking english mm. yeah. you know it shouldn't yeah. be that way so it's yeah really really cool yeah yeah no it's a nice touch i really 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 uh appreciated that and um yeah, and like and like I've already mentioned, like some of the fighting scenes in the film were just really choreographed really well, and mm-hmm. I, I think they just did a really good job with those scenes all 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 together, didn't they? Yeah, it's nice again to see you know Michelle Yeoh like really sounds like I'm rhyming now, but go, <laughs> it's a uh, because she obviously ever since she kind of transitioned more to like Hollywood, never yeah. really got to see her really unleashed like. Crouching Tiger, yeah, fine, but it's all the wushu stuff on, you know, strings and stuff, and cables. But seeing her just do nice 
basic martial arts. Mm. It's, yeah, it's really nice to see that. Because otherwise you have to go back to, like, uh, old, like, 80s Hong Kong films, which are awesome, by the way. So if you ever watch some more Michelle Yeoh, watch some of those movies. They're great. Good recommendation, Rich. Um, and I should take that myself to go back and I'll, watch um, some of those. Cause... I'll, pull up some, um, I'll pull up some movie titles. I can't think of them on the top of my head. But okay. Yeah, they are good. Nice. Cool. Um, well, speaking of martial arts and karate... Ah. And... <laughs> <laughs> nice segue. Nice and smooth, right? Nice and smooth. Like Rich has been watching something else with, with lots of martial arts and karate and such like that, haven't you, mate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just finished up the uh, fifth season of uh, Cobra Kai, which is really increasingly one of my favourite shows of all time. I mm. love it. <laughs> it but it's why just... do you love it? I mean, I'm a sucker for like, the whole nostalgia thing where, you know, you, you dig up an old IP and then you just bring it back and you just throw lots of familiar faces on the screen and everyone reacts and it's just it's just bait for people that remember the good old days. Mm-hmm. Um, it also kind of plays to the, like, the TV we used to enjoy back in the day. I mean, it it's a show where like, I get a lot of grief watching it from my other half because she thinks it's so oh, cheesy really? and so lame. Like it's so it is, but that's it the is, point. It, that's the reason it exists, yeah. right? <laughs> and truthfully, I, I don't watch it as like a guilty pleasure. People must say, "Yeah, you watch it, you think it's a bit shit, but you're having fun." But I really am invested in it. Mm-hmm. It does look kind of cheap at times. Some of the dialogue feels a bit off, like the writing. It, it's very, um, it plays very broad, like in terms of the storytelling. It's. I don't. Know, I don't want to say things that sound disparaging. It, it's the nearest thing I think we have, like to boarding thirty, forty year old men have to like a proper like soap. The kind of thing you used to find when Channel Five first launched, and they were like playing <laughs> things like The Bold and the Beautiful, that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it just has like. I like two every... a.m. in the morning. <laughs> yeah, every time I watch it, I'm always talking about. Oh, I'm going to watch my stories now. This is, a, oh, this, just... is our, this is our version of Prisoner Cell Block H. <laughs> <laughs> Christ, <laughs> it, it's it's just wonderful. I, I really adore it. Like the way the way the characters are written, the way the sets look, the dialogue. It is very soapy, but I don't watch it with a, a wink and a nod. I really am invested. I love the characters. I love the stakes of the story. I mean, basically, if you haven't watched any of the show, it picks up after the original. Um, Karate Kid trilogy fast forwards to modern day and you kind of follow the journey of uh, Johnny Lawrence who's like the antagonist in the first two films I believe the third I can't remember now Um, but he's kind of washed up he's still kind of the whole Hill Valley um, tournament um, kind of uh, lives rent Mm. yeah yeah, he lives rent free in his head basically he still thinks about the time that you know LaRusso beat him. He's washed up, alcoholic. He's got a son he doesn't have anything to do with. And he still carries this rage for Daniel. And Daniel's doing well. He's got a car dealership. He's got a smoking hot wife. He's got his kids. Living in a nice big house. Yeah. Yeah. And over the course of the series and seasons, um, you see... uh, I don't. I don't want to say too much about some of the characters that come back for people that haven't watched any of it. But oh yeah, no, don't do that. Johnny Johnny brings back Cobra Kai, um, and Daddy catches wind of this, and then brings back 
Miyagi-Do. And over the course of the seasons, you see allegiances, you see characters jumping from dojo to dojo. Um, and it just follows their feud. Um, really quite tragic, sad feud because you've got these two <laughs> men that like yeah. you need to be doing so better with your lives. Yeah, Why exactly. are you still feuding over yeah. your like high school sweetheart and the karate tournament that yeah. one lost and won one? It's just like, grow up. <laughs> Please yeah. move on. <laughs> like, I mean, nostalgia is one thing, but when it's a bluff feud, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's just really good. And I said it does throw those characters at you. I won't mention any of them for the for the Christmas of the world. I know there's people that still haven't watched this, so I won't do that. Um, but yeah, it it just is so good, and the fights are good. There's some really great stuff. I mean, the finale of season two when it's the, the massive fight at the end of the school is one of the best bits of television I've watched in a long time. <laughs> it's like the scoring in it, it's a full-blown orchestra and you've just got kids kicking the shit out of each other in like a school hallway, fights on a stairwell, it's teachers getting kicked in the face. It's just, it's really good. Um, what do you yeah. think uh, about Series 5, though? I mean, like, you know, some shows... You know, as they progress, they they start to lose something that yeah. they used to have at the beginning, and like they start to fade, and they it doesn't really have that magic anymore. Do you, do you think Cobra Kai now hitting series five has lost anything, or do you think it's actually got stronger? I love it. It's getting stronger. <laughs> I loved it. I absolutely <laughs> loved it. Got the first episode, and I think I was I wasn't sure. It you know, just it just it does the same thing that each of the seasons prior to it do. It mm. just gets its claws into you, gets its hooks in you, and you're just along for the ride. I mean, I binged it in a weekend. It just, it's so good. It, it just, again, it's just simple. It's not, and I'm not taking anything away from, you know, prestige television and, you know, really nuanced storytelling and, but it, it just operates on a much easier level and I really appreciate it for that. I mean, the episodes are still your average, like, you know, 45 minutes. They're not Don't like even half hour. Probably half not even hour, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. It, it does feel more like older TV in that respect. I really love that. I really do. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's, it's an a easy nice watch, isn't it? Yeah, it's an, it's, yeah. An easy, it's an easy watch, but it's an enjoyable, easy watch. Yeah. And and some a lot of the time, I feel like the show's kind of split up between uh, in like two parts. And you know, you you have one part where you've got uh, Danny and his feud with Johnny and. And, and the adult kind of stuff, and then you've got the other half of the show where it's all about the kids. Yeah. So, so you kind of got these two different sides to the show, and a lot of the time yeah. I kind of prefer the, the the adult stuff more so than the kids stuff uh, sometimes because I've, you know, I mean sometimes in this show they get quite brutal. Like some of these characters can be right assholes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, proper like assholes, and you're like. Dude, you know that that's that's cut the line, <laughs> kind of kind of assholey, totally, kind of, totally. You know, but uh, you, you know the adults be more mature <laughs> in this show. Well, you'd you think you, that, you, but you, you kind of don't get that kind of side. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I always prefer like uh, the 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 relationship between Danny and Johnny more so than I do with the kids sometimes. Totally, totally. There's uh, some stuff I do like with the kids, like um, I know um, like Miguel. Miguel is a good character. Mm. Um, Samantha, who's like um, 
Danny's daughter. She's honestly one of the, the dullest, most unsympathetic <laughs> characters in the history of television. Mm-hmm. She's so just like a, a void of a character. I, I, I don't mean really horrible, like it's to do with the actress. I don't know why. Just when she's on the screen, I'm just like, eh. Mm-hmm. But but I like most of their characters. I like Tori. I like um, Robbie. Robbie's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, what he got rid of that really shit hair in the first season. It was awful. <laughs> um, Hawk is like a cartoon character, but sure. I love him. And it, 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 it do some nice stuff with him as well. Like he in the first season again, I won't go yeah. crazy in de- in depth, but he is massively bullied for physical features and. Mm. He ends up becoming like a proper bastard. Yeah, he kind um, of turns in this alter ego kind of thing, yeah, doesn't he? And he becomes the bully. It's the classic, yeah. like you know, the bully becomes the bully. He's a nasty piece of work, mm. and it just kind of goes into how the Cobra Kai really corrupts these kids. Mm. And um, as seasons go on, their plans for expansion, and they're just a threat to the kids in the valley, basically. Um, which I still find funny in the in the in the modern age, the idea of karate dojos becoming something that kids are gonna be like, yeah, we're gonna take over this whole town. <laughs> like kids are gonna want to play games. They don't give a shit about martial arts. <laughs> like it, it doesn't have this broad appeal that they seem to think it does in the show. I don't know why, but if it was like a Fortnite school, and maybe but I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's one of my favourite shows and it does that thing I love every season ends and it just sets up something. It leaves you with a stinger for like the next season. Like, I won't spoil anything, but season five, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a season six. <laughs> just gonna, oh, really? Just, I was yeah. just about to ask you that if you thought yeah, this yeah. would be the last one. No. But... The way it ties things up, it feels very much like, oh, it's bringing it to an end, but then it yeah. just throws a massive curveball. Oh, really? It's like, sweet. Oh, so, well, I've got... Yeah. I've got um, two episodes left of this series to watch, which I'm Phenomenal. sure so we'll, good. which I'm sure we will finish off uh, t- uh, tomorrow. So, yeah, uh, so yeah I'm, really, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing what happens. Yeah, it's one of the good things. One of the few good things Netflix have done in a long mm. time because I mean, the first yeah. two seasons were YouTube. Yeah, I was going to uh, say it started probably, on YouTube, didn't it? Yeah, it was YouTube Red, and then mm. like whatever the fuck that thing is, and then uh, yeah, it went over to Netflix and they've I, carried I on. Knew, I never knew it started on YouTube. Is there, yeah, is there more original. Are they still on the YouTube? Um, I don't. I think they might be. I think they might be. Or did they? Are they different to what's on Netflix? No, there's. They are the same. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. Fair enough. I just. I just thought I'd miss some stuff that I hadn't seen before. But if it's just the same stuff, then that's cool. But yeah, no, I didn't know it started with YouTube, and that's quite interesting. Because yeah. I was going to say, I, mean, I think that's the other thing I quite like about this show. It's like. They, they've commissioned something where they've given these old actors something to do. That yes. sounds bad if you like, but I mean, like, we haven't seen these actors for years, have we? And, and no. they've given them this platform to uh, to shine again, to, to flex their actor muscles and bring back these characters again. And, and not just for one series, not just for a limited run. It's It's like proved to be popular enough to, to have this long run and to get into the series six you know and and that's it one of the other great things i just love about watching this show is just that it's just given these these older actors an opportunity to just come back and and yeah. and do that so it's it's yeah. really sweet just for that too for a multi-season television series i think that's yeah it's not like oh we're doing a new a movie reboot and we want you know ralph macchio to have a a cameo it's like no this has got yeah. so much more mm. um 
meat to it and it feels way more sincere um yeah it's it's really really good and it encouraged me to get i got the 4k trilogy in the end and uh blu-ray um nice it, yeah it looks fantastic i just it really got me on like a mini karate kick kick mm-hmm. no pun intended <laughs> uh <laughs> Yeah, I love it. And I've actually only heard, I think it was last night, I read apparently Sony's in a brand new movie, but it's going to be tied within the Karate Kid Cobra Kai universe. So it's not going to be... a a prime universe movie. Yeah, it's not going to be a fucking Jackie Chan, Will Smith I didn't know that was even announced. Yeah, it literally just came out. Sony's developing it at the moment. Are you telling me they're probably just making a Cobra Kai movie? It's odd why they've done that, because I just feel like the show's doing fine. I don't do we need a film because the Cobra Kai is doing the job. Yeah. But I don't know. Unless they are deciding maybe they do season six and then the film closes things up, that would be quite nice. Yeah. Do like yeah, a big nice like, tournament movie where it's just like mm. one big fucking tournament. That'd be cool. <laughs> I'll watch that. That's perfect. Yeah, I'll watch it. Boring at all. move on to um, our, our feature um, and uh, I've got a couple of subjects within that feature to, to have a quick discussion about and first off was the big Disney D23 extravaganza of announcements that we had was that a couple of weekends ago now oh, well, what we're going to do, I just want a quick discussion about the whole thing in general and then we've all chosen one of like a personal highlight of one of the announcements that we're that really excited for but I mean I was a little bit overwhelmed by it all to be honest I mean, over the the two days or whatever, they threw so much stuff out at me that I, even now, like I can't make sense of it. Is I mean, I, I don't know if that's just my old fangled man brain or <laughs> whether, whether you two felt the same. I don't want to be that person. Sorry, Chris. Go on, go ahead. It's just like like you said, it's just, it's one of those moments where like it's like a huge info dump. Yeah. When they when they finally go public with the stuff that's been rumored for months, if not years, and you're like. It takes you a few days to take all in. <laughs> I'm still taking it in now. So, yeah. You know. so, I mean, I, well, I think I would have preferred like two different events. Like, I don't know, like just dumping it all up. Well, give me two in a year, maybe. And, well, they, and, they could have split it up into Disney, Pixar, Lucasfilm. But they didn't. They just went all out, didn't they? Boom. <laughs> yeah, I think, oh, I don't know. Did they like, I mean, they had like the Walt Disney Animation yeah, it did do like Pixar. the separate like kind of panel things. No, I mean, yeah, like um, like Jason events. just said, they they could have done it that way and each day done a different one, mm. grouped it together in their own group, little sub categories or sub companies. No, no, absolutely. But um, no, Rich, what do you feel on on that in terms of separating them out? I don't know. I well, just, I, well, just I, like I'm... the whole the whole I mean, like two day thing where they 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 just dump so much on us. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of I do like the idea of it being quite uh, com- compacted into just like blah, an onslaught of announcements. I do mm-hmm. like it. I wouldn't want it to be some like week long thing. Because the fact it just happens no. over the course of a weekend is nice. Like I got into the Friday before and I was like, yes, let's go, let's do this. <laughs> Gonna wake up to my morning, start seeing some trailers popping up on my timeline on Twitter, and yeah. that's what you got. Um, 
yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to see it go longer. I think it's fine as is. I wouldn't want it split up into different, different events. I like the idea of Comic Con, which happens like sort of a month before, kind of being a bit of a lead-in. Maybe get some stuff out then, which is what they kind of do anyway. And then save the raw meat until D23. Um, I mean, I'll be honest, I was kind of disappointed by this. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was expecting more. Uh, sounds like entitled internet. No, you know, I understand. Take. But I was really expecting I was going to get the Fantastic Forecast. Mm-hmm. We we're going to get an announcement of the new Deadpool movie. Nothing. <laughs> Any of that. I was like, oh, okay. It was um, almost like clickbait the seminar. Kind of, yeah. Mm. Um, I appreciated... Um, I won't, I'm not even going to go straight into the Marvel and Star Wars stuff, <laughs> but I'm, gonna, I'm very excited for Disenchanted because... Yeah. Amy Adams, my wife. Uh, <laughs> you wish. Yeah, yeah. Should say that. Uh, <laughs> um, but I kind of want to deal with this from the looks of the trailer. She's kind of doing like an anti-hero kind of thing, almost like she's turning into the bad, bad character, bad guy. So interesting take. Uh, I, I love Enchanted. I mm. adore that film. Enchanted is another one that's a favourite in our house. Like we both love it, tight to bits. That film is just so well done, so clever, so. The performance and everything just, I think it all landed beautifully. But it's taken so long for a sequel to come out that you can't help but tread on eggshells and go, mm-hmm. is it wise? It's too late now. It's made and it's being pushed out. But obviously, you had that Hocus Pocus 2. But again, it was that uh, it struck me as very clickbaity because even, even when it brought people out on stage to talk things through, they're only on stage for like two minutes yeah. or from what we saw that were filmed on cell phones. And obviously they screened a lot of trailers and all they've released are official images of the upcoming Pixar films or Disney films or or Indiana Jones 5 was Mm -hmm. probably the highlight of it. And even then it was only three minutes of Harrison on stage fighting back emotions and I felt for the dude. He was really choked up saying to the audience, this is it, this is the last, last one. And the director, James Mangold, came on stage and... They screened the trailer, didn't they, at that event? They did, bastards. <laughs> but, again, it's not it's not even leaked. And I don't think I'd want to see a leaked trailer. I'd like to see it properly when it's released. But mm-hmm. but even then, it was just like, oh, you know, Indiana Jones, and I watched it, and I was just like, oh, it's okay. Got Harrison fighting back emotions, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge comes on, and then that was it. They were ushered off stage, and I was like, what? Like, no... Not even a still from the film. Yeah. Like, the only image we've seen, the official one, is a profile of Harrison in costume, in almost silhouette, walking from one rock or whatever to another. That's it. That's all we've seen, other than behind-the-scenes spy pics from around Europe during filming. And I was, like you, Rich, I was expecting some amazing, like, you're plugging Indiana Jones 5 guys, for Christ's sake. And you, you you get nothing. Yeah, it's weird. I mean... Yeah, to quote Willy Wonka, you get nothing. Good day, sir. You lose. Like, wow. Like, thanks, Disney. Lucasfilm. Okay. <laughs> I know it's very much an event for like investors as well, so you've got to announce all your yeah. stuff. But it's like the time you spent announcing the new Raven Simone TV series. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I'd much rather see more Indiana Jones things. I think of a rat's ass about... Raven, whatever the fuck it's called now. Like, it just, yeah. I, the Disney Channel shit, it's like, 
I know it's still a thing, but is it really Disney's bread and butter? Yeah. Nah. Anyway, Jason, what about you? I'm playing host now. Look at me. I know. Check you out. Um, <laughs> I'm a natural. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised that they didn't stream it. it uh, I, I appreciate what yeah. you said about like it's for investors and trying to show what's coming up in the next year or two and you know the plans and how how they've progressed with those things and everything else. But there was a hunger for a, for a stream. Um, mm-hmm. My eldest son was very disappointed that there wasn't streaming the Marvel thing. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm surprised it didn't. I'm surprised it didn't stream it or, or do some form of streaming event where they didn't show the stuff they wanted their investors to see. Um, and like I said at the beginning, I, you know, I did. I did feel a bit overwhelmed by everything that they announced. I mean, there was a lot of stuff, especially just in the Marvel um, section of, of the event. There was so much that even now I could think I can't think of everything that they announced <laughs> because mm. there was just so much. But um, I mean, it is exciting. It is an exciting weekend to know that it's going to happen. And will your wishes be coming true? Will they actually be doing something like you know, like Rich said, you know, giving us the Fantastic Four crew or uh, are they going to announce something that we don't know about or or, or something like that? But um, it was all right. Yeah, it was good. I mean, there were still some good surprises uh, or some good things to see and hear from it. And, um, you know, we got to see the trailer for the Mandalorian Series 3, which is coming out next year. And that looks, yeah. that looks good. The Andor uh, trailer, I'm so hyped oh, for that show. Yeah, the Andor like, looks stunning. I don't know if anyone knows this. I, I don't really say much on Twitter, but... Rogue One is the best Star Wars movie ever made, and this show oh, embodies it so much. I don't think you've ever said that. <laughs> no, never. Um, but it looks like Rogue One, the show, like the cinema photography. Like, I, I just wish Gareth Edwards was involved in some way. I know that yeah. like, Tony Gilroy is involved, and, but yeah, it just looks like a proper, well, not a continuation, but obviously a, a prologue to Rogue One. It's, yeah, oh, I can't wait. But uh, well, let's, you know. Let's move on to a, what our highlight was of the all, all the announcements and, and things that they brought to D23. And I mean, mine was Willow. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I was, I was after, you know, I've been wanting to see something from this ever since they announced it a couple of years ago. I'm surprised it took this long to see something from it. But, you know, I was a massive fan of the film back in the day. And, you know, like even five years ago, if you asked me if I ever thought I'd see a sequel or new material come from the Willow world, I would have just laughed in your face and given you a slap mm. or whatever. So the fact the fact that they're um, doing this was just exciting and finally seeing a trailer for it at this event, it was just everything. It was great. And it, and it looks great. It looks good. It looks just like Willow. So Yeah, that's... That's one thing that I noticed at that trailer. It's the first, it's the only trailer they've released in full publicly as well, isn't it? Uh, well, you had a couple of others. I think the Little Mermaid was released as well, wasn't it? Yeah, um, the yeah. Um, Secret Invasion trailer yeah. and the uh, Werewolf by Night as well. Yeah, which yeah. will be mine. Which we'll get to in a minute. It was just <sighs> like it. I don't know if they have filmed it on location in the UK or Europe, but it it had. This is going to sound really weird, and it's the most English comment I think someone <laughs> should probably ever hear. Um, it looks as if it smells as muddy and dank as it was filmed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know when you get that muddy, dank English springtime or autumn, where it's always wet and damp? Yeah. You, you know, in England, 
they've encapsulated that in this new trailer footage, which is what the first film looked like because it was filmed, I think, in UK and Europe, wasn't it? Territories. Yes, yeah. But yeah. it just looks and because Willow was rec- like required viewing in our household at like any holiday, whether it be Easter, Christmas, mm. whatever. It was always on that and the Princess Bride and stuff like that, and which is one of the most perfect movies ever made, Princess Bride. I'm sorry, guys, but <laughs> it just looks and feels like you said, Jason, as it should. And to have the returning cast members coming back mm. as well helps it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Willow. Like again, it was announced, wasn't it? It was going to first. It was going to be a film, and then it was going to be a, mi- a mini series or TV movie. And now it's an actual full blown event series, isn't it? And it's mm. like, wow, like finally. Yeah. Yeah, no, very, very excited. And I guess uh, this is quite grateful for Disney Plus, you know, because I don't think Disney would have been brave enough to, to put this in the cinema. But I think, you know, that they're more willing to take a couple of, a big bit of a bigger risk by by just putting it on Disney Plus. Yeah, so, no, totally. This it, is it, the crazy thing. Like, they must be making billions off a Disney Plus subscription because they're not doing any. They're not surcharging anymore, are they? Like for an event drop, like they did for, was it Moana? Was it Moana? Yeah, did that. Was it? It went to streaming, and it was was one of the first ones they did. Yeah, it's like a surcharge of like nineteen ninety nine, and then all of a sudden they realised that Black Widow was one of the ones they did. Mm. After that, kind of home premiere. That's it. That's one. Yeah. But they must to to warrant them not trying to make money in theaters and dropping. Especially Disenchanted as well, dropping straight to streaming, but it's mad. You, you, you even look at Pinocchio, you know, Pinocchio, it's got bloody Tom Hanks in it, and they're just dumping that on Disney+. Plus. It's meant yeah. to be terrible. It's got, it's yeah, it's the only up. place for Disney, for the film, apparently, according well, to early reviews. But, but you, you you know, it's directed by Robert Smickers. Yeah. And yeah. it stars Tom Hanks. That would be... Uh, uh, Bombs on Seats Moneymaker. That's 100% like... cinema release back in the day. And, and they just made this film... With these two big, gigantic Hollywood people, and gone, well, I'll just put a Disney Plus. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> just drop it there. It's fine. Just yeah. leave it there. Maybe no one will watch it. It's cool. <laughs> it's like, what is going on in this world? But Willow, uh, very looking forward to. And I'm surprised actually because obviously I was more interested in the Star Wars and the Marvel stuff, uh, and see what they would announce from there. But afterwards, like Willow just came to my brain straight away, and I was like, yeah, yeah, really pumped for that, Chris. Have you got a highlight of, of announcements from from the from the show? Uh, yeah, it was back to what we were saying earlier. It's the uh, Indiana Jones. Oh, okay. I went in for you know the Star Wars and the Indiana Jones stuff, and um, obviously we didn't get much reveal that we didn't know already. Um, obviously the Andor stuff and all the other Star Wars expanded stuff coming out, and it looks stunning in fact Star Wars seems to be doing better on television and streaming than the movies have done (laughs) recently Uh, enough less said about that the better like we said about Rogue One earlier everyone's in full agreement that Rogue One is the best Star Wars movie ever made since Empire and Jedi thank you Chris (laughs) and I've said that for ages and I remember going to see the Force Awakens trailer now we all saw the Force Awakens trailer we all lost our collective shit didn't we well, sure. Let's yeah. all be grown ups and admit it. You know, well, yeah, Star well, Wars we saw, Anonymous. You we know. saw the Millennium Falcon <laughs> again. We, we yep. saw Chewie. You know, we saw. And you're like, oh shit, this is amazing. We have all these people back and this mm-hmm. is stunning. And then we saw the film and then the novelty was... wore off. <laughs> yeah. And it's a shame because 
it could have been something amazing. And then Rogue One comes out a few years later and you're like, oh my God, this is stunning. Visually, narratively, music, the lot was just... Mm-hmm. That's the Star Wars that we asked for in 1999. And, you know, when you just, you're waiting for that moment and then all of a sudden it's a, it's a one and done, isn't it? Like, why did they not invite him back to go to direct the other Star Wars sequels? I don't know, but, and then the Indiana Jones stuff came in and I was hoping for some footage. I was hoping for something which we didn't get. And but to see Harrison on stage talking about it and his reactions to the early screenings and the early edits, and obviously they had the trailer as well, which we didn't see. However, John Williams did perform a theme from the soundtrack at one of his live uh, orchestra gigs. Did anyone catch that? I did not no. know. He released. Uh, it was almost like a teaser, and he was on stage, bless him. He's you know, ninety on now, and he's sort of like. Now, what we're going to you know, give to you now is a, an excerpt from the new Indiana Jones movie. And it was one of the themes from one of the characters. And he played it live on orchestra and it went viral. So I you guys didn't even see it or hear about it. No. Nope. Yeah, look, look it up. John Williams' <laughs> Indiana Jones 5. It's it's out there and it's mm. it's a beautiful little video of his introduction. But again, we didn't get a lot of it. But the best thing we got was, come on, guys, that reunion between Harrison Ford and Jonathan Hikwan. Mm-hmm. Was yeah, just be- a beautiful moment. They both were beaming in that photograph. Yeah. Something pure about seeing yeah. Harrison Ford generally but, happy because he's yeah. a crusty old bastard. <laughs> but, yeah, but it's it's seeing someone in their natural yeah. their natural state of yeah. not being not having to be forced on stage, not having to be scripted, not having to be acted or ushered somewhere. It was actually a behind the scenes thing. They ran into each other in between events. And you get to ask when you see that picture. When was the last time they both saw each other? Yeah. Was it was it filming Temple of Doom? Because I, I highly doubt their paths. Think it was. I highly doubt their paths have crossed very much in the past four, nearly forty years, thirty five mm. years. Well, what was Jonathan there? He he was in he's in something else now, isn't he? He's gonna be in um. It's a um, show. He's, he's gonna be Loki voice, season two. Oh, he's yeah, in Loki. That's right. He's in a show as well called um. It's like it's. A, I know it's a Disney Plus show about the Asian American experience. Funny enough, he actually is in a show. It's actually starring him, Michelle Yeoh, and Stephanie Sue as well. <laughs> so yeah. they've got f- the three leads from uh, everything, everywhere, all at once, back into his show. So he's doing that as well for Disney. I'll be watching that. But I, I, I just want to quickly go back to Indiana Jones before we talk about Rich's pick. And are you um, apprehensive about this new movie? Are you? It's, Quite confident they're going to do a good job this time? Or? Indiana Jones is one of my passions. I always had loved it since I was a child, and it's always been there. You know, When a director leaves a series, sometimes it's for the best, and sometimes you are worried because the security blanket has just been taken away from you and put in a washing machine. It feels like that. Like Indiana Jones has always been ushered by Steven Spielberg. So I think... The thing with Indiana Jones 4 is I say it's, and I, I kind of defend it and also slate it at the same time. Somewhere in there is a good film trying to fight its way out and it can't find its way out. It's got some good moments, but it fell flat. And this is going to sound a really, not so much controversial, but really, really nerdy. It was all shot on digital film, which makes it look like a made-for-TV movie. <laughs> and it does. Yeah, you get that motion smoothing it, in as well. Yeah, Perfect. it just looks off. 
it looks too clean. It looks too perfect. The whole point of Indiana Jones is to try and emulate the old serials that inspired it in the first place. And it was weird. Indiana Jones 4 just, it just landed so badly in the swinging monkeys and the, the sword fight and on top of the car, mm-hmm. the vehicles. You just thought, oh my God, like, what the hell? And <laughs> when it was announced that Spielberg was stepping back, cause I think, didn't his schedule clash with another project? believe so. I can't remember the exact reasons, but when part of me was like, oh, it's in someone else's hands, like someone... Someone knew some new blood to inject into it. But then at the same time, I'm like, but it's Indiana Jones without Spielberg. This is weird. But then we said that about George Lucas when he saw Lucasfilm. Star Wars without being um, under George Lucas was a weird thing, wasn't it? And then all of a sudden it was like normality. It didn't feel any different, mm-hmm. which is strange. And I'm not so much not so much worried. I'm more intrigued than anything mm-hmm. as to where it will go. Obviously, we've got John Williams back scoring, but will it miss that quintessential Spielberg DNA? It's a difficult one to pinpoint as to like. I guess, I guess this is the first with Disney as well, isn't it? So it's, yeah, with Disney as a a big shareholder or owner yeah. of Lucasfilm, I say. Yeah. But also, Indiana Jones is a rarity because Disney owns Lucasfilm, but Paramount own Indiana Jones. So <laughs> it's a weird mm. it's a weird one. No, I've got a lot of faith know. in James Mangold though. I mean he's I Oh mean, yeah, like, yeah. Logan I'm not I'm like... not slating him as a director. Yeah. It's just that it's that weird change. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally agree. That, it's that eleventh hour change when everything was Spielberg was on board, John Williams was back, Harrison Ford was back, Karen Allen is in it and and then you just like all of a sudden Spielberg announces a departure and then all of a sudden it's been, it's completed and it's during, it's in editing and post-production already. And you're like, Jesus Christ, it doesn't seem that long ago it was announced. Yeah. And we <laughs> saw the first spy pictures up in uh, Scotland of him in costume again. And you're like, it's mad. Yeah. I, I, I'm not I'm not saying it's going to be a bad thing. It might be, it might be the best thing to ever happen to Ian Jones. It, it could possibly be, you know, but, you know, sometimes a, a fresh change is just what's needed just in life in general, in, in work for workplaces yeah. and things like I that mean, and also it might just be what the, the franchise is looking for yeah like i was because i've got a lot of the magazines that were released for indie 4 and it even says that there's only one person that will ever play indie and that's harrison ford and it was an interview with george lucas or kathleen kennedy said and only one person will ever direct indiana jones films and that's steven spielberg and that's the kind of thing that dates terribly because we're now in a world where steven spielberg isn't directing an Indiana Jones movie for the first time in 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's odd. It really is. It's, but then he didn't come back for Jurassic Park 3 because he felt that, yes, he's a filmmaker who makes dreams come true, but how many times can you make that magic happen no, before you break. become bored of it? It's like doing the same job for decades and decades. You get bored and you get frustrated. And it comes out in your finished product. That's why I think Steven Spielberg's kind of grown up as a filmmaker. He's now doing lots of real kind of... He's not doing fantasy adventure as much anymore, is he? He's recently remade West Side Story, and apparently that's fantastic, but I haven't yeah. seen it. But when directors grow up as filmmakers, it's, it's quite nice because you see, you see their career almost like a... It's like you're looking at a yearbook. You see them go for all these different stages, and now Spielberg's at that kind of like... That other end now, that dramatic talky movies you know uh, I don't know 
I'm excited for it. Don't get me wrong. That's, uh, that's one thing I'm looking forward to. Uh, what, what was your? Well, you've already alluded to to what your highlight was at the uh, announcements. Yeah, yeah, mine was definitely um, Werewolf by Night, which is obviously something we've known about for a little while, um, and obviously it's the first time we've seen anything from it. And I'm really loving what I'm seeing. Kind of basically a marriage of like Universal monsters and Grindhouse, which is and it's all under the MCU banner. Which I'm like, I'm I'm glad they're trying to be a bit more daring with some of the stuff they're doing um so just the same you know marvel studios formula and it looks like this is the first kind of like actual tv ma r rated stuff we're gonna get for marvel yeah. before we even get to deadpool so yeah, i mean like some of some of the scenes even in the trailer were a bit well <laughs> that was a bit yeah like, you know it put me on edge just just from just from the trailer yeah and one of the best lines I've ever heard in the trailer as well, when you've got like the clearly animatronic corpse in in the coffin, he's kind of giving like the little mission briefing to all the different uh, people in the room. He just says about good luck, I will be rotting for you. I was like, oh, yes, <laughs> I was like, chef's kiss. It just it just looks so much fun. Like, mm-hmm. I can't wait, and I'm interested to see what the whole like Marvel Studios special presentation thing is about if it's going to become like a banner we're going to see more for the other projects they do um and I, I don't know how this might even play into the whole like continuity if this is mm. actually a thing that's going to be woven into other projects or they are meant to just be like standalone things because so far we've only ever really had that was like well we haven't actually even had that at all really they've not done it with the animation it's not like dc which just you know it's either connected or it's not usually um so yeah i'll be interested to see how the character might appear in other stuff going forward i don't know it just looks so intriguing and in a world of stuff like secret invasion which looks awesome it's kind of it looks like it you know the winter soldier tv series which i'm all about um there's a song about Werewolf by Night just jumped out to me. It just looks so much fun. And it's not even something I'd necessarily usually be into. Like I used to sometimes watch a lot of like Hammer films, ironically, for a laugh, mm. you know. And this kind of scratches that itch, I guess. It just looks it looks fun. Like going for the whole black and white sepia tone kind of stuff. It just looks it looks different, which yeah. is really, really, really welcome. Because mm. yeah, Marvel can as much as I love Marvel, it can be quite homogenized, just scene bullshit all the time. So mm-hmm. yeah. I'm really interested to see where they go with this. Uh, I can't remember them announcing this before. Um yeah, really? Yeah, I can't I couldn't remember uh I probably did see it, but I don't know, it just completely left my brain. So when I saw this again, I was, I mean, I don't even, I mean, like obviously with a lot of us, we're, we're kind of learning about these uh, Marvel uh, franchises from the comics as they're being made into film and TV shows. And yeah. um, I never knew Marvel did anything like this, to be honest. Um, so, I mean, it's it's completely like taken me aback really with, with what it is, what it contains, and how they've done it. But as a as a Marvel fan, I'm I'm still pretty quite excited for it for for the kind of reasons that you've already mentioned. Uh, 
and, and to see what they do with it. Like like you like you said as well. Like will will this just be like a standalone show, one series? You know, no no kind of connection. But I don't know. It's like it's a bit difficult to to think that they would do that because like I think all their other TV shows are going to be connected or intertwined in, into films or into the MCU itself. So I yeah. I, it's, it's, it would be a bit weird to just have this one standalone show that doesn't really have any kind of connection to everything else. But then how would they do that? You know, because as we saw in the trailer, it's all black and white. But then you never know with Marvel. <laughs> you never know what they've got their sleeve. You, you know, so who knows what would, what, what may happen in, in the in the series to for them to be able to connect it to something. Um, I do feel like with the way like the last phase has gone now, like they obviously probably are worried about um burnout. People are just kind of getting a bit disenfranchised with stuff. People are saying like, yeah, the most current most recent phase has been very uninspiring. I think mm-hmm. they're gonna start being a bit more I hope they are a lot more daring and they really try and be you know, do different things. Yeah, to pique um, people's interest, but, yeah. Yeah, take some risks for God's sake. If it means R-rated films, if it means crazy black and white stuff, like do it. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think the last two big Marvel films haven't really gone down as well as as past movies in in their franchises. You know, Doctor Strange and Thor got quite a lot of uh, criticism really thrown at it. Uh, I, I mean, like personally, me. I, I I really enjoyed those films. So Doctor Strange really is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but I um, mean, that, there were still a lot of people that were moaning about them, saying like it was just the same old, same old, and they didn't do this and everything else. But um, and you know, and I think the last great Marvel film that we we did have was Spider Man: mm. No Way Home. But yeah, I think you're right. I mean, that they've got to do something at some point to to freshen it up because people will get bored of it. And yeah. people will start just walking away from it if it's just going to be the same old, same old every time. Um, I mean, me personally, I ain't got a problem with that. I just really love the, the Marvel formula that they've got going. Yeah, and, I do and, too. And, and, the, and the way they make their films. I, I'm always in, invested and I'm always interested and I always normally walk away saying, yeah, I really enjoyed watching that film. Um, but I mean, obviously, that that's just me. That's just you. There's loads of people that obviously don't feel the same way and they they need to do something and maybe this is their first step to doing something like that. So yeah, I mean one thing I didn't mean, one thing I didn't know about this, which I obviously found out from D twenty three. I didn't realize this was actually directed by Michael Giacchino. <laughs> really, I, <laughs> I actually, missed that. He's he's actually directing it. Like he's not scoring it. He's directing it. So it's his I totally debut. missed that. Yeah, she's like yeah. I can't wait. I'm very intrigued to see how mm. that works. He's yeah. composing yeah. it and directing it. <laughs> Later. Yeah. So. I think if I hadn't chosen Willow, I think I might have probably chosen this just to, because it's just so out there, isn't it? So, yeah. yeah, no, really interested. Really, really cool. Cool. Okay. Let's, let's leave D23 where it is then and move on to our last topic and let these good people get on with their day. And uh, that's just to bring back up the GoldenEye re-release that was announced mm-hmm. this week. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we we um, we finally had a uh, we had a Nintendo Direct on the Tuesday previous to this recording, um, finally announcing that GoldenEye was to return to to modern day consoles on the Switch and on the Xbox consoles. 
And uh, obviously, this is something that's been rumoured for years upon years upon years. And it's never really uh, happened because obviously there's so many fingers in its pie with licenses and this company owns that part and this company owns this part and Microsoft buying out Rare didn't help at all either. And um, so we never really thought this day would come, did we? But I mean, we still don't have a release date. We're still not quite sure when it's going to get released, but we're we're hoping maybe in the next month that that is fine. By November latest, yeah. I reckon. So, but yeah, it's it's finally here. So uh, yeah, we like we said in the last "What's Wrong with Wolfie" episode, we're we're very excited, aren't we, about mm-hmm. about finally having this official? Yeah. Funny thing is, when the Switch was first out, everyone's first thought was when's GoldenEye being put on it because they put all of the old legacy games on there, didn't they? From the NES to SNES to the N64, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then finally. Finally, this is announced, and everyone lost their collective shiz. It's like, <laughs> whoa! Like, like we said, weren't we when we had that chat last week? Like, golden on the go, sitting on a train. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You because... haven't got like around an N sixty four and a CRT television anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, and that that is the great that is one of the great things about the Switch version is yeah. is that fact that you know you we will all soon be able to play GoldenEye where, wherever. Long journeys, on the top of a mountain, going to work, or on the top yeah. of the actual dam itself, that, <laughs> um, or, or, or whatever you're up to, yeah. That the fact that on the go that we'll be able to just fire up Goldeneye. I mean, mm. even just saying that, it's just crazy. And there's like the whole controversy about like how the the versions differ, but I'm really quite fine with it now. I'm quite excited. Mm-hmm. Simple fact is, Switch version is a straight up port emulated mm. using Nintendo's emulation software, whatever. And I don't know if it's she's exclusivity with the with the multiplayer, but the fact is that the only reason I think they really got it in the game for the Switch, the online multi, is because of how they do the online play for the um for Switch Online. It's mm-hmm. a bit different. It's all kind of like peer to peer. It basically emulates couch um co op or couch you know competitive play. So mm-hmm. it's almost like it's it's simulating you playing against like if the three of us were to play against one another online on the switch on goldeneye it'd be simulating us playing together on a couch mm. so it's not doesn't work in the same way as it would like online play for say like xbox or playstation basically they don't need to set up servers basically yeah because nintendo freaking nintendo <laughs> um but I'm actually well, I'm fine with it. I'm I'm going to have both versions anyway. We don't even need to buy them. They're included in the, in the you know in the in the plans in the services. So mm-hmm. great. And yeah, Switch version is going to be a straight up port. It's going to have a few you know. It's going to look a bit nicer because obviously it's going to be emulated. Whereas the Xbox version is an actual actual remaster. So yeah. which I'm excited about. It's not the Xbox 361, but. It's the next best thing, so yeah, because you're still getting the 4K um, HD resolution on it, aren't you? And yep. um, the, the control schemes have been oh, changed a little bit, hasn't it, to to work on the Xbox controller? Yeah, um, and uh, obviously you've got achievements as well chucked yep. in there as well. So yeah, it's all it's all proper. Um, so game wide screen as well. Yes. Like, <laughs> you know, messing with the Switch, you're going to have that crappy four four by three. Bloody, yeah, with the letterbox, pillarbox, yeah. postage stamp vision that they have, which is it's fine, it works, but it is a bit of a shame. You know, yeah. I want it to take up the screen. For damn it, 
So yeah, yeah I, I think it would have been. I think it would be. What would be nice is 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 to have. I mean, I can understand why they they haven't because they want people to buy the expansion pass, and this game being on there is going to uh, encourage a, a, a ton of people to to take up take it up. Yeah, but I would love to see it, the remastered version on the Switch too, separately. Yeah. For, for yeah. a price for me to pay yeah. and download and keep, uh, uh, that's what I that's and I, and I wish that and I'm hoping that maybe they've still got that kind of plan somewhere. But I don't know somewhere maybe I think I'm dreaming to be honest. I think I'm I think it's a, a wish more than anything that might actually become reality. But that that's what I would like to have that kind of upscaled version available to me at a price. Because I'd buy it, but I yeah. don't think I don't think you can buy it on the Xbox either, can you? It's either on Game Pass or part of Rare Replay. Yeah, which is nice with Rare Replay as well. If you already own that, you get it free of charge. So, which is yeah, good. that's true. Yeah, I think it's, it's just the digital copy, though, isn't it? Um, digital owners get it chucked in. I'm not sure if you own the physical. I'm, I don't know. I imagine it would come as DLC, surely. Like maybe does maybe. it like check in if you have the disc? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but yeah. I wouldn't mind a physical version on the uh, Xbox. It'd be nice, thanks. <laughs> I'd buy that in a heartbeat. But <laughs> well, uh, a Switch I, copy would be great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I can't, I can't see it happening. It's, it's I can't the wait big... to play this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I'm not gonna lie. I was, I was only excited a few weeks ago playing it on a uh, emulation on my uh, gaming laptop. Like doing, mm-hmm. doing it through the uh, Project Sixty Four software. Looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Upscaled. So this is going to be like next level compared to that. So. Oh. No. I haven't played the single player levels for quite some time, so I, I, I'm really? a little bit more excited to to get back into GoldenEye to to, to actually give it a proper replay from start to finish. Oh, such a banger! Love yeah, it. can't wait. Um, but like, as we're on the subject of GoldenEye, quickly, I mean, is is there a particular level that you is your favourite from from GoldenEye? Facility still iconic for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The way they just got they got that metallic drum beat music from the score, it just it works so well. <laughs> just um, it has, it, I think so much of it is because it's one of the things as well. I think it's one of those levels you you encountered when you like found it in like Comet for the first time. Yeah. You picked up the Insta <laughs> controller, and you know you yeah, it was the first level you played, and just yeah, it's iconic. Yeah, it just the amount of I should fire up my N sixty four actually and see how many hours I've logged playing the original game because all my save games are still on there. <laughs> it's mad. Still works. How long ago? How long ago was that? Christ. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, all the levels I just find fantastic. I can't disagree with your choice, Rich. Um, and I assume Chris's. Yeah, facility mm-hmm. is the one, and it's probably the the, the my most favourite piece of music from the game too. That that I mean, facility music is just the the dam's cool and stuff, but yeah, it, it, facility felt like the first proper like level of that game. So, just are, and again, with the facility level, you're you're almost you've like we said when we had um, the interview about uh, the Gold Knight games the other week. It makes you feel like you're sneaking around because you have cameras yeah. and you have guards. And if you don't sneak around, they will see you and shoot you. The alarms will go off and you'll fail the mission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like the opening 10 minutes to GoldenEye, 
where you have Bond sneaking around his facility, looking through windows, creeping through doors, and underneath stairs. It encapsulates everything that that film gives to you in the first ten minutes, and it's fantastic. Yeah. But- Although... Ten points for the most tedious level, which is the last one where you got to chase Oromod through the caves. That was the <laughs> God, that, okay. the amount of times I ran out of because it starts timing you, doesn't it? And then love a timer, not. Oh, it's just it just stresses you out. Games shouldn't stress you out, <laughs> especially at that young age in 1997. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, and we touched upon the multiplayer actually of, of this new uh, thing and. I mean, we've got to get together for this, right? Oh, oh definitely. Dial into our Nintendo Mobile only. apps. Slap us only to start with, right? Surely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Our job and chores. <laughs> yeah, first one to get the golden gun. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll, we will definitely do this. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I could, yeah. More than once, hopefully. Cause... Yeah. yeah. Is that a oh, voice boy. chat on the uh, Switch Online app on our phones? Oh, God. <laughs> Glow Nintendo. <laughs> Cutting edge as always. We need to ban old job though, right? No one's allowed to be old job. Why? Nah. He's Just little cheating, and fast. <laughs> so small we can't catch him. <laughs> it's uh, been so long since I've played Golden on multiplayer, it's ridiculous. Alright. This is gonna be good. It oh, has to be. We what we should, we should live stream it. Let's get carried away, Chris. I ain't, yeah. I, ain't, I ain't got the equipment for that. No, neither have I. I'm on Yola White where uh, our oh, internet's God. two cups yeah. and a piece of string across the, r- the river, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's right. internet will go down. What's happening? Chris is playing Goldeneye co-op. <laughs> the lights are dimming. <laughs> yeah. Cars going off the road. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. All right. Well, let's get these. Uh, let these good people go and... Um, finish this uh finish this lovely podcast but yeah thank you all so much for listening and uh if you'd like to support us if you've enjoyed our rambles from this episode then please uh consider supporting us monetarily and uh you can do that by visiting our coffee page where you can throw us a tip starting from just a pound and thank you to all who have done so so far and if that's not right for you right now you can also support us by giving us a review and rating on apple podcasts or spotify and by sharing and liking our social media posts. And speaking of social media, you can come and find us on socials at the Wolfie Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can find links for those, Discord and our Ko-Fi page, personal Twitter accounts, and much more on our website at thewolfiepod.com. I can correct somebody else for saying it wrong. It's not Ko-Fi, it's coffee. Come on, Chris. <laughs> Sorry, like and to redo that. Kavoffi, Kavefi. Awesome. Awesome. Or speaking uh, of socials, come and find us on the socials at the Wolfie Pod on Twitter or and Instagram. And can find our links on those Discord, uh, coffee page, personal Twitter accounts, and much more on our website at wolfiepod.com. There you go. That was more complex than it needed to sound. It was a little bit. But I you, struggled you... with that. Why did I struggle with that? <laughs> I looked for two sentences, Chris. Two sentences. Oh, no. <laughs> Do you want a third take? No, no, okay. uh, you're good, mate. You're I, good. Might, I might actually take the first take. So, <laughs> thank you once more for listening, everyone. Hope you all stay safe, and we'll see you all back in the 90s real soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Goodbye.